Hey, welcome to Connection Over Coffee with me, Phil McAuliffe, the loneliness guy. Today, in this conversation, we're just going to have an amazing chat with my friend Justin Oberst from Santa Barbara in the US. Say hi, Justin. Hello. Before we get into this conversation, I do need to say that this podcast contains content relating to the physical, mental, and emotional well-being of gay men. If that's going to offend you or anybody in eShot, now's the time for you to go. But if you're down for a great conversation, how about you and Justin go get us a table? And after a word from my friend Mike Campbell, I'll get the coffees and I'll bring them over to you. Let's get started. Hey there, legend. It's Mike Campbell here, host of the Everyday Legends podcast, founder of the Everyday Legends Academy, and good friend, uh, coach, and colleague of the loneliness guy, Mr. Phil McAuliffe. And he's given me a little bit of permission here to step in and say, hey, hi, I'm Mike. I'm a men's coach. And what I do is I support everyday men getting the shit together in the simplest sense so that they can build legendary foundations and get more from life, from love, and the everyday. My coaching, the Everyday Legends Academy, is a way to support men in really understanding who you are, how you've got to this place, and then what you want. Who do you want to be? What do you want for your life? And how we can actually pragmatically go about and build and create that version of yourself. That's the man that I call the Everyday Legend. So if you think this could be interesting, then reach out to me. Phil will have all the information how you can do that, and we can have a conversation if the Everyday Legends Academy or any of my work might suit you. Otherwise, thanks for joining in for this little part, and now, back to Phil. Over to you, mate. Here you go. Now, if this is the first time that you've joined me for Connection Over Coffee, I want to say hi and a huge welcome. I recognize that the me act of pressing play, whether you're joining uh, joining us on YouTube or um, through uh, the podcast and listening through a service, I, uh, I, I recognize that that mere act could have had you wrestling with the uncomfortable thoughts and feelings indeed the stigma of loneliness and what pressing play might actually mean for you or what you're making it mean for you. However you got here, I want to say hi and welcome. It's just absolutely bloody fantastic that you're here. And if you're a return viewer, if you're a return listener, I just am honoured to be graced with your presence once more. Thank you, uh, and please do let me know if you feel that I can help and support you, if me or my team can help and support you as you work through your loneliness. With all of that said, I really want to just jump straight into this conversation and with, with my friend Justin, because... I'm still getting over, I'm still getting over the podcast, not the podcast, the blog post that Justin wrote. And Justin, your, your blog post, which was published on the 7th of October, uh, was, well, was beautiful, it was beautiful. But mm-hmm. I want to explore, like, I want to explore that some more, but I always forget to do this. Justin, welcome. Thank and you, Phil. 
And what's who are you? What's going on? What's brought you here today? Gosh, what a great question. I am a multitude of things. And I feel like I've already lived probably five lives, maybe, maybe five and a half. But currently <laughs> I am, well, I was born a cisgendered male and I identify as queer. And that can be another podcast Yeah, yep. <laughs> as to why that is. Um, but I right now am um, practicing to be a licensed therapist. And I just got a master's degree. And I'm also training to become a um, sex therapist. And I live in California in beautiful, oh my gosh, beautiful Santa Barbara, um, where, you know, the cascade of mountains run right into the, to the ocean. So it has been uh, such a treat to live here. And I've been in Santa Barbara for, for probably a year and a half now. Yeah. Gosh, yeah, about a year and a half. And um, really focusing on studying, researching, working with clients, of course, and healing, and um, trying to see what what's going to happen next after I get these certifications and my licensure and dive in. Yeah. And this, you are popping my podcast cherry. <laughs> <laughs> and Ozzy popped my cherry. Oh, look, so I'm excited. <laughs> that's going to be a proud boast for you, uh, and as it's a proud boast for me. I mean, you know, it's it's always an honour. It's always an honor. I'll be gentle. I'll be gentle. Uh, and um, because, yeah, this is this is you know we have the best conversations though. So you know, it just happens to be that you know I'm wearing you know headphones, holding a microphone. Uh, and you know this is being recorded, so no pressure. But we have the best conversations anyway. So um, yeah, this is just you know just ratcheting it up a notch. You're ready. I'm ready. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I think I think you know that's that's probably going to go in the promo. You know, and mm. Aussie popped my cherry. Um, and so, Aussie popped my cherry. Yeah. A southern boy. Yeah. Yeah, you know, again, you know, and 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 and, and I know you'll call me sir, uh, and uh, and <laughs> like and be you know unfailingly polite in that in that southern way, um, yeah. So yeah, good. Well, thank you. Welcome. It's oh my god, like this is this is just amazing already. Like I'm I'm so excited to have this conversation because. Me too. Good, good, um, because in in your blog post, um, so the loneliness of change, I'm going to say right now I'm so envious of your writing, and it's 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 like uh, it's very sort of it's poetic. And um, and and sort of dripping with wisdom. And viewer, listener, if you've not read it, there's going to be well, there is a a link to it in the episode description. Do yourself a favor. Do yourself a favor. And as Justin says in the blog post, get yourself a coffee, get yourself a nice cup of tea, get yourself a glass of red wine or whatever, and settle in. Settle in because. As I said to you before, Justin, in this, um, before I pressed record on this, um, 
I don't know if I've read such uh, an eloquent description of um, the horrendous, the horrid um, dark night, dark nights of the soul that kind of hasn't gone into like poetry or, or, you know, song lyrics or something like that. So right up, I want to say thank you so much for sharing both your wisdom and your experience um uh with with me and and the viewer and the listener and and the reader i want to say thank you most profoundly um for for that we're going to explore dark nights of the soul but i'm curious how did it feel how did it feel for you to share your experience like that oh gosh it's cathartic, but also, um, yeah, like I said, I have a lot of people don't know this, this part of me, um, or these chain of events really. So except for some close family and, and close friends. So it's, there is some vulnerability there. There is some uncomfortableness, but there's also this, this letting go, this, uh, this kind of deep calmness. It's like, you know what? It's, it's good. It's helpful. Someone might need this. Somebody probably needs to hear this because I mean, if I would have read something like this two and a half years ago, maybe even a year and a half ago, honestly, it would have just blown my mind. I would have felt seen. I would have probably felt less lonely, of course, but it would have really been a huge help and probably would have helped some of the hurdles along the way, but um, I needed to experience it. So it feels good. It's, it's powerful stuff that we need to kind of tap into a little bit, especially as, you know, queer people, LGBTQIA. Um, it's, yeah, it needs to be talked about. It's not often. If anything, it's suppressed or it's turned to a substance. Yeah. 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 And, and catharsis is such a good word. Mm. Uh, catharsis and it almost is cathartic to say catharsis like just almost saying it is like it comes with that release of of, of emotion mm-hmm. and you know i've i've variously you know heard you know um uh you know like you know how we feel uh after you know sharing something like that and and this is a bit of a tangent um but you know sometimes like when i've written or, or shared something and it's been really hard to construct it, um, you know, and, and this has kind of become shorthand in, in, in this household and, and my kids say this uh, a lot. Um, it's like, you know, you're doing a mental poo uh, or an emotional poo. Uh, and, 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 yeah, like once you actually sort of get it out, you feel so much better. So, you know, after having a good cry, um, mm-hmm. you know, after, you know, frankly, doing a good crap, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> you know, you feel, you feel so good. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, r- you know, releasing about it, that's, you know, welcome to, to, to the minds of, um, of, of teenage boys, but, uh, in, in, in our house, but we've all been there. Yeah. yeah. There. Look, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend that I'm not still there. Uh, I'm still there. <laughs> in many ways. Yeah. Same. yeah. Same. <laughs> um, <laughs> but 
I remember, you know, when you when you sent it to me and we were sort of communicating by text and talking about sort of that 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 you know, as Brene Brown calls it, you know, the the vulnerability hangover, and mm. uh, the the act of self care that's needed um, after you know something you know that requires us to be vulnerable, uh, and. How how did you know? Did you stop? Did you stop and actually acknowledge what you did? Yeah, yeah, somewhat. I mean, after I think I told you after I sent it through to you, I had a few more sessions with clients. But then that evening, I was able to really just kind of settle down and, and feel a sense of release, sense of calm, and. That's kind of when I write things, if I feel a sense of release, um, I know that it was necessary. There's times where I've written things and I never feel that kind of comfort. I'm like, maybe I need to reevaluate this yeah. or, you know, go through an edit or change it up somehow. So that's kind of been my um, test with things, but I definitely felt it. And of course it's you. So I felt it comfortable being in your hands and to talk to you about it. And um, it's a good experience. It's a really good experience. Now, there is there is also the part where we live, especially in America, I'm not sure about Australia, where it is um people are too vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's gotta be a good balance. You know, there's times where I'll open up social media and people are telling all their garbage and stuff. And it's like, whoa, 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 hold on. Hold on here. No. So I think there needs to be sort of a healthy balance with it. And this felt like an opportunity to throw in some vulnerability, but also some other kind of really core life lessons that we can all learn here. Yep. And you're right. We can use vulnerability and connection, I've noticed. Um, At this point, feel like they're almost throwaway concepts. Mm. And, you know, we know that, that, connection comes from when we're vulnerable and so when we are feeling isolated when we're feeling lonely when we're you know not able to go and see people when you know you know pandemic or not um you Mm -hmm. know you know and and social media and this is this is you know getting off the topic but i think it's important to say um uh, is that that when we you know reach for social media and use it as uh, like an opposed as the connection, mm-hmm. um, you know we might need to check ourselves because yes. you know we can be doing uh, we can be trying to hijack connection by being hyper um, hyper authentic hyper vulnerable uh, and as a way of kind of hijacking connection. Um, and we always need to remember because people don't know how to there there is there is a lack of um education and accountability all of it with adults now and even you know kids too people don't know how to connect no like authentically no there is this there is something that's missing and um they don't really know what it is or what it means no no, and and so you know, then there's like this this guy on the internet, the loneliness guy, who's all about promoting, you know, destigmatizing loneliness and promoting authentic connection for for gay men globally. And 
you know, I think just, just, and this is the reason why I bring it up because it's like central to my mission here at the loneliness guy is authentic connection. Authentic connection can't be shortcut. It can't be short circuited. It, it, it requires time. It requires patience. It requires conscious investment. Um, and if we're constantly, all of us, or so many of us are like, you know, regurgitating all our traumas. Um, that's not connection. No, that's not it's connection. A, it's, a, it's a buffer. Yeah. 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 It's a buffer. Yeah. And, and you know, um, I, I just feel really that that's, that's important to mention right now um, about mm-hmm. authenticity and, and, and being authentic requires being vulnerable. But... Not everybody has earned the right to hear your story. Not everybody has earned the right to hear my story. But I have earned the right to hear my story. I have earned the right to, you know, to, 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 to love and support me uh, through the things that I'm proud of and the things that cause me shame. I'm, you know, allowed to love me. I'm allowing myself to love me for all of all of me, and how I'm evolving. Um, and there are some people in my life who have earned that right too. Mm-hmm. And and that can be a whole other podcast as to how you can evaluate that because I'm that's so important. Noting that down, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. But that's, that's critical. Like, and, and this is the thing. Someone somewhere. You and someone, at least someone somewhere has earned that right mm-hmm. to hear your story. And so, Justin, I, I mean this, you know, from, you know, a place, you know, from having said that, I mean that it is an absolute privilege and honor to hold space for your story. Because it is. It's always a privilege and an honor, whether it's a conversation with uh, another man experiencing loneliness, or another human, I should say, um, experiencing loneliness who slides into my DMs on Instagram and says, you know, gives me some feedback and then, you know, we, we like they share their story with me. It's an absolute honor and a privilege to to hear yeah. that because sometimes that's the very first time that they've expressed that. And having consumed some of the content on like through my social media or through blogs or podcasts, through great conversations with people like you, that they that they have the language now. They're learning the language of how to articulate the void that they might be feeling or to put some kind of boundaries around that void. Mm. And so there's a couple of things there. Your, your (laughs) Your words and your experience are teaching people, teaching the audience, teaching the viewer, teaching the listener, teaching the reader, how to enunciate, how to, 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 to put words to feelings. In order to connect. Exactly. Yeah. 
And so it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And, but, and, but, but when we do connect, uh, you know, with real, genuine, authentic, in a real, genuine, and authentic way, using vulnerability or, or with vulnerability, um, we can often, and I find this all the time, um, and it's a usually a really good marker of like success in, in the same way that you described. Mm. That not, not success, but I'm on the right track. Is when I feel a vulnerability hangover. Yes. And so that's why I asked. That's why I asked that, you know, that you actually took time to not, to actually, you know, not be, or not, not do, I should say, rather be, and allow yourself to be for a moment. Because mm. when we're chronic overachievers, like we both are, when we're, mm. you know, both, you know, awesome humans and driven, we can, and driven by service to others, we can uh, put our needs last. So, you know, that you had a few more clients, fantastic, very professional. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure you gave them great, uh, you know, you held space for them beautifully. But I wanted to make sure that you actually had some time to do what refilled your cup. So I'm really, really glad. Yeah, yeah. So, and, that, and that's a lesson that I wanted to, to sort of share with, um, mm -hmm. with, with, the, uh, with the audience is that, because I think it's critical when we're talking about dark nights of the soul and the loneliness of change. Mm -hmm. And the reason is when we are going through a dark night of the soul, we feel we fear the vulnerability that comes after it or or like the the decision point that and and the consequences that come after it and i'm going to say you know well i'm going to suggest justin that in writing this you may have gone through a dark night of the soul or two in like how are you going to frame it? Um, you know, might not be an entire evening, uh, but you know, you, you you may have sort of hesitated at a at a point. Uh, oh yeah, I had to take breaks. Yeah, writing this. Oh yeah, it's still very very real. It wasn't that long ago? A lot of this stuff happened, so definitely had to take breaks. Get some coffee. Go for a walk. Go to the gym. Yeah. Um, sauna time, just relax. Yeah. Nice. Nice. You gotta be, you gotta be gentle. We have to be gentle with ourselves with these things. And, um, I even try to incorporate aftercare to stuff, you know, self-care. Yes. Yeah, great. But aftercare too. Yeah. It's really important. Um, so yeah, it's, it's heavy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay, right? So, well, that's why I think you know something's good. You know, you get some of that heaviness, you get a little bit of that anxiety in a relationship, at work, you know, with friends. I mean, across the board, it's pushing you somewhere. 
it's making you feel a little uncomfortable. It's good. Yeah, it's not. It's it, it, it's it's like it's it, it, it's good in the fact that medicine is good. Nobody wants the medicine because the medicine can taste pretty. You know, medicine can taste bad, can make us uncomfortable. The medicine is an inconvenience, but you know, it does its thing, and we feel better. Mm-hmm. But we can avoid taking the medicine because we don't want the discomfort. Oh yeah. We don't want the pain. We don't want uh, the inconvenience. We don't want the disruption to the current state of um, dysfunction that you know we're enduring. But you know it's our own dysfunction, and we're kind of used to it, so we're okay. So mm-hmm. you know we we don't do it. And this is this is a point that I want to make, and I want to explore with you. And in the um, in your blog post with it's explore yeah with the with the dark nights of the soul, you know, dark nights of the soul are horrible, absolutely <laughs> horrible, right? And there's a reason that there's lots of poems, there's lots of songs, there's you know lots of smart people mm. over time have have written about the anguish and the angst of enduring dark nights of the soul but they're necessary and they're almost a rite of passage Mm. yes i'm glad you said that because we lack that so much in culture now rites of passages yeah how so especially for especially for lgbtq people you know historically there are always even in tribes and stuff some sort of rite of passage into womanhood manhood you know, however you identify. And now it's, uh, we don't have it. We have, you know, we have people on our social medias that have the best bodies in the world or look like they have the best lives and they vacation all the time. And we think we need to become that. Yeah. No wonder pharmaceutical companies are doing incredible right now. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and I think, you know, perhaps a rite of passage right now is the share on social media. Could be. Could be, yeah. yeah. A rite of passage for me, if I could step into the world, would be to actually feel our feelings. That's the first step. I love that. <laughs> I <love> that. <laughs> that, yeah. And, 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 you know, in all my work, you know, I, uh, well, I get really frustrated when I hear that advice. It's, it's correct. It's absolutely correct. We do need to feel our feelings. We need to think our thoughts and feel our feelings. We don't think our feelings. Right? Um, and I think, you know, before we press record on this, I shared with you that I'm very pragmatic. Very, very, very pragmatic. And I've been talking to you over the past few weeks about, you know, synchronicity and, you know, uh, seeing 11-11 everywhere and, and, and stuff. Um, but, w- like, when, when I hear, you know, feel the feelings, I'm like, yep, yep, get that. I understand that. I really do. But how the fuck do I do it? It's You're like here. Yeah, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, hippie. 
all right, like you can, you know, drop out, you know, tune out, whatever it is, and sit there cross-legged in the middle of a meadow uh, and and feel your feelings. Um, however, I've got shit to do. Um, so, presuming that I'm not alone in that, how how do you suggest, like, feeling the feelings when we are in a dark night of the soul and using that as a rite of passage? Mm. Well, most likely you're in a dark night of the soul because you don't feel that could be possible. But dark nights can be so many things. It could be a medical condition. It could be a sickness. You know, it could be something like that or, you know, this deep depression, kind of like what it was for me. Yeah. But in my experience, it was suppressing so much and sometimes having ideas as to maybe I'm not, this isn't the best job for me. Maybe this relationship isn't the best relationship for me, but things are going really well. So I'm just going to stuff it down and just move forward. Yep. I'm going to pour myself into my work. I'm going to pour myself into whatever I can. I'm also an artist, so I would pour it into artwork. And, you know, that's kind of the American mindset, productivity, productivity, yeah. you know, busier you are the better and um that's yeah that's really hurting us now too but that's all i knew to do and the dark night ooh, consumed me how so consumed me well it's it came in slowly but when it consumed me it almost was kind of like um it really was like someone was sitting on my shoulders constantly and everything I noticed feedback at work or with clients or at the time I had a very different job than I do now, um, pierced me like really deep. And I'm like, what, what is going on? And I would cry over the smallest things. And I, and I at that time hadn't cried in years yet. And I'm in books and movies and I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening? And yep. I think I even cried in an episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. Like I was a mess <laughs> and I didn't have the words. I didn't have the literature. I didn't necessarily have the relationships either to kind of help me figure out what this is. Instead, I just, again, kept myself busy with work. But what, what, what kind of came of it was some really difficult moves and, um, difficult uh clientele at the time and things just got heavier and heavier and all i needed to do was just to cut it off yeah quit the job you know move out where i was living and and be free of it that's all i knew to do and once i did that um i didn't really believe in a god much during that time but after i cut those things out of my life that were just honestly making me miserable the the universe really opened up doors in such an incredible way. I was like, what the what is going on? Yeah. Like this path, very narrow, skinny path really just opened up in front of me. And I, I was like, I have, I have to do it. This stuff back here has not served me. It's made me completely miserable. I have no other choice. I've got to see where this goes. I'm keen to explore uh, the, 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 the sentence that you said, and it was said really quickly, 
um, a little while ago. So if we were reading the transcript back, probably, you know, a page ago. And where, where you said, you know, I needed to, you know, and I think you even said, you know, I just needed to, to you know, cut that. I needed to get out of that situation. I needed to quit that job, get that negative shit out of my, my life. And there's a lot in that phrase. Uh, and it's a short phrase, but the, as phrases are, but when you, you know, to that point, to that point of deciding take, to take action, to do something without knowing what the consequences were going to be and how it was going to end up. And you can look, you know, in, in hindsight in the rearview mirror and go, yeah, that, you know, I can Look at those guns. <laughs> yeah, uh, hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I'm flushing. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, I'll point back like this. Um, but, yeah, looking looking back with hindsight there and, and in the rearview mirror, you can actually see that the path has, has widened. But at the time, I'm going to say that you didn't know you know, if your narrow path was actually going to become like the point of a needle. Which it did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yep. and, and this, is, yep. this is something that, that I want to, you know, that you've you said so beautifully, so beautifully, and that gave me an absolute soulgasm because I felt seen. I felt seen in, by your words and your experience in, from, from mine, from my experience. And so before we move on into the widening path, I want to sort of come back to this, you know, the words that you used were empty, numb, overworked. Mm -hmm. I felt empty. Mm. I felt numb. I was consumed by work. And ironically, it was work that I chose to take on so I could numb. <laughs> and... Yes. And, and become empty. But then you said, you know, to alleviate, I'm, re I'm, I'm, I'm reading here, but to alleviate the, the black hole, you turn to food, sex, alcohol, work, vacations, so holidays to, to those of us not in the US, uh, art, yoga, meditation, and even prayer. Mm -hmm. And... There's, there's going to be some content coming up, um, everyone, on this, on numbing and, you know, essentially mind how we numb. But, Justin, you did, minus, minus meditation, yoga and prayer uh, and art, um, uh, you did pretty much what I did and what I do when I'm numbing. Mm -hmm. What were you trying to do? How did you realize that you were numbing? There's two questions there. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh, it's so good. Um, I would say kind of those questions would creep in of, am I doing, is this the right thing I'm doing with my life? Am I in the right relationship? Um, am I living in the right place? You know, when those would creep in, um, the thoughts I would kind of take this deep down into more of a soul level of this 
what are you doing? What are you doing? You are so lost <laughs> in this experience and you don't even know what you're doing. So when that would creep in, it was like, I don't want to hear that. I can't face that right now. I'm going to go do some hot yoga. Yes. And then I'm going to go for a run. And then I'm going to go get a margarita and Mexican food. And then I'm going to go have sex. And then after that, I'm going to watch a scary movie. And then after that, I'm going to try to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> and then next day, I'm going to go to work. And I'm going to be so focused in work that I'm going to forget all of this. And then when I get home, I'm going to do something else that's not going to make me think about it. And every, every day was like that for a while. Yep. You planned your way? Oh, yeah. It was, uh, it was scary. It was scary. I was working so hard for that particular life. Yeah. And I felt like I was doing all the work. And at a time in my life, you know, 10 years prior, I thought that's what I was supposed to do. This is what I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to embody. This is my chosen path. And then it wasn't. Mm. In fact, it made things, it made me, I felt not a very good person. I felt very materialistic. I felt very self-centered. Um, I found myself pushing intimate friendships away and just solely focused on myself, how I looked, how I was perceived, reputation, and my soul, my interior self just fought against it, kind of like an immune system. It's like, this isn't you. And so that's when a lot of the feelings started surfacing that mm. scared me. Viewer, listener, I think that there's, there's well, not, not I think, there definitely is something in there. When we try and force something that's not meant to be, we can double down on mm -hmm. that which we had used previously that we thought worked but really didn't work because if it were if it really worked we wouldn't be back at this point to then double down again and double down again and double down again when we realize that what we've been doing is not working and we're still at the same place within ourselves and you shared this, Justin, in your blog post, where you said that the old techniques weren't working. Yeah. And I, again, this is a point where I felt really seen. Mm. Because that which I had been doing, and, and essentially the promises that I'd made myself... You know, if I did this, then this would happen. And then that's when I'd be able to do this. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd feel ease and calm within myself if I got the, uh, the promotion or when this thing that I was organizing at work went really well. Or, you know, if, um, I don't know, like, uh, like, honestly, if I went like, you know, six months without looking at gay porn, like, you know, would have been cured, would have been cured. You know, would have been, wow. you know, if I just needed, if I just needed to, you know, to, to, you know, to, to, to cut myself off, uh, and, you know, deny and like focus on, you know, being, being a straight man, you know, focus on that part of me, you know, and, 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 you know, double down, 
double down, double down, double down. And you double down often enough and you're like, you know, quadrupling down and like, you know, it becomes exponential double downingness um, over over time. And, you know, really, mm-hmm. the, that, that's, that's, that, that has a limited um, lifespan. Yeah. What, what changed it for you? Um, well, the dark night of my soul. Well, one of them. When I realized that what I had been doing, others were benefiting from it. Mm. When did that kind of happen for you? Um, I remember a couple of things, a couple of times. So when I was doing, um, when I was in Mike Campbell's program, um, when we went through some, you know, the things that caused us shame, um, I realized that I'd been carrying those around, simultaneously carrying them around with me, but also running far away from them, as fast as I could from them, including my sexuality. Uh, and, you know, regret and, well, shame, not regret, but shame over how I treated people, uh, others. Like, you know, when when they were close to seeing who I was and how insecure I was, I would be like a, a, a cornered snake and oh. just like lash out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely like, you know, my, my words were weapons. You know, mm-hmm. not particularly big, not particularly strong, but my words were weapons. My brain and my words were my weapons. And so, you know, having been bullied, I would bully. Um, and that causes, you know, still causes me great shame. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, shame about my sexuality and things. How, like my long night or dark night of the soul came to a head, um, where I was reading something from, um, from, uh, Brene Brown and it was the opening, um, chapter of Braving the Wilderness. And I just reread this book a few months ago, uh, back in, in, in our winter. And still, it, it gets me right in the feels. Gets me right in the feels. Mm-hmm. But like you, like when you just said before, Justin, that, you know, you're, you weren't a crier. And then you found yourself like, you know, tearing up over like, you know, uh, uh, an ad on TV. <laughs> like, yeah, even, who knows, maybe even like a Teletubby commercial or something yeah. stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and, yes. and and so for me i remember reading this book uh, and and reading the first chapter and it was all about belonging it was all oh. about it was all about belonging and feeling that she didn't belong because you know for you know and and, and sharing her story and i remember i i very like i bought the book uh, and it was, you know, living in Seoul at the time and bought the book and, you know, said goodnight to everyone and climbed into bed and like snuggled down and, you know, started reading the book and, and I, I, I finished the chapter and uh-huh. it was like the most powerful, like 30 pages in my life. And I was, I remember like going, wow. what, what, what's I'm leaking, I'm leaking out of my eyes. What's with this and stuff. And I'm like, oh, no, wow. I'm actually crying. I'm crying and and it was the first first time that I had read and started learning the language of the importance of belonging. And I'd realized that I was lonely, but it was an important 
and and like you know a, a you before and like that loneliness and that realization and needing realizing that i'd needed to get help led me to you know getting help and going through a coaching program uh and so i'd felt a lot more connected to myself but it was the first time that belonging had kind of really registered with me and that I needed to belong to myself. And for me to feel that I belonged in the world, I needed to belong to myself. Mm. And I wasn't. I didn't belong to me. I belonged, you know, to everybody and everything else. And so that's what that that um, tattoo is about. It's a very visible reminder on my right forearm to mm. belong to me, to be me wherever I am in the world. And that that started my long night of the soul. Mm. And you learning know, how to belong to yourself and. Knowing that I belong, I can still belong to myself, even though I was wasn't perfect. I was perfectly imperfect, mm-hmm. and that was such a powerful realization for me. Mm. And from this point, tracing back, you know, looking back in my rearview mirror, yeah, I can point back to the time where you know that realization brought me to this point right now. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, that's, that's a lot for 30 pages, you know, but, but it, is, <laughs> it is, it is, it, it yeah. is and, and was absolutely life altering for me. It gave me, yeah. gave me the language to begin to feel my feelings mm-hmm. and to put myself out there. Even in that, belonging i'm curious with with knowing the language and allowing the feelings i'm just gonna guess you found a way to connect better yeah yep to people yep by being me and making a decision Mm -hmm. to show up not like you know i vow and declare forevermore to show up who i am and it's like no i make a deal with myself each and every time i get to a fork in the road and there could be multiple forks in the road every day like, mm-hmm. do I show up as who I feel everyone else is expecting me to be in this moment? Or do I show up as myself? As perfectly imperfect as I am. Mm-hmm. And the trick for me, the deal that I do, like the, the commitment that I have with myself is that I choose that more often than not. And when I'm not, I pay attention to it and ask myself, why am I not showing up as me? Why do I feel like I can't show up as me? Is this the situation that I, that I now need to be in? If I can't be me and I can't be accepted for who I am, is this a situation that I need to be? Mm. And so for me, it's not necessarily a big dark night of the soul anymore, but it's taking... <laughs> taking those those decisions during the day that as a point you you said helps me avoid those long nights of the well long dark nights of the soul mm-hmm. 
But God, it's hard. God, it's hard. Uh huh. But it's the stuff of life, right? It is, and we we need to mess up. Yeah, I'm not good at that. How do I mess up properly? <laughs> well, even if you try properly, you're still going to keep messing up. I mean, that's kind of the goal. We got to mess up. We got to fuck up. And, you know, sure, let's suppress. It's going to come out eventually. Yes. That's how we just deepen ourselves. That's how we add character. Mm. That's not the answer I wanted to hear. Sorry. <laughs> it's the answer I needed to hear, and I, I think that's the answer that we all need to hear, and we all know. But mm. I, 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 I wanted the scoop. I wanted, you know, you know exactly right. You know, again, picking up my pencil <laughs> here and writing down notes. Um, what, uh, what, what, what was gonna, what was gonna, you know, fix it? What was gonna be the <laughs> hack that that hack. would get me? Yeah, that get me through life. You know, unscathed. And so, know. so Phil, your homework is to fuck up some. And get some <laughs> I'm <laughs> sure. Uh, and and yeah, I, I think that's that's you know anyone <laughs> anyone who knows me well uh, will go yeah you know that's that's you know you you, you do that you do that. Um, I I do need to. Um, and this right back to the very beginning of our chat, even before we pressed record. Um, it's the taking of a step. Mm. I still, still, despite being the loneliness guy, despite being the lonely diplomat, despite making, you know, a side hustle here on loneliness and destigmatizing it and promoting authentic connection. And um, I still struggle to take a step. Because I want to take the step. How's it for you? Steps. Yeah. Difference between taking a step versus the mm -hmm. step. It's, uh, I can answer that question in so many ways. I guess the right step feels a certain way. The wrong step feels a certain way. And I will say I have learned the most from the wrong step. But there's there are times where the right step has been really great and beneficial and safe. But the unsafe route sometimes, um, <clears throat> the unsafe route can be way more rewarding. Yeah. <laughs> I just have an... Uh... Uh, an image in my mind from like a, a car ad, like a car commercial. And, you know, it's one of these SUVs that, you know, you flick a switch and it becomes a, a four-wheel drive, like a four-by-four. Four. Uh, and they go from, you know, the freeway and take a, take a you know, mm. and then, you know, yeah. go up over the mountain using the fire trails or something like that. And, you know, um, yeah, we need to take the fire trails. Yeah. We do. That's a great, that's a great example. I mean, I did that with a friend of mine in Colorado through the Rockies. You know, we could have taken the interstate to Vail, but instead we took this back road that led us to this beautiful blue lake and it was a dead end and it was a horrible, 
horrible like venture to get there so many holes and we had this fabulous jeep that was just muddy we were <laughs> muddy but it was one of the best experiences i've had yep we never made it to Vail. we stayed at the lake <laughs> at the dead end the dead end was, was where incredible. you needed to be and it was incredible i love it I, oh my god see listener view i told you this would be so orgasmic um <laughs> I want to come back to um, to explore a couple of other things in the time that we've got um, remaining, Justin. But I wanted to wanted to revisit that point in your story where you said that you know you realised that what was happening now wasn't working for you. Mm-hmm. And you looked around for help. So you realized that, you know, through your dark night of the soul, that in order for tomorrow to be different, you needed to do something and you looked around. Mm-hmm. And you looked around for help. Yeah. What happened? I didn't really get it. Which, um, like I mentioned, I looked for professional help and I couldn't really find it the way I I really needed it. And then I went to friends who could empathize with me, which was huge. And even had a few friends speak some really interesting thoughts to the path I was on and the trajectory, which really helped. But I, for some reason, went to books and I read this book, um, I had been out for a few years at this time, but it was called Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Stray. And it was it was multiple stories where she did she worked anonymously on an advice column and no one knew who she was, but they would write in their their great woes or their dark nights, what they were going through. And she would kind of give her advice back. And it was huge for me. I was like, I want to do that. That is so cool. I want someone I need to write in so I can get that feedback. And so that plugged in the thought of, I, I recall some people, and this is the good side of social media, that have had some really rough journeys to get to where they are now, which I, I felt at the time was successful work. They were serving the communities. They were serving the LGBTQIA community. And it was a very small community where I lived in rural kind of South Carolina. So I was like, maybe I could do that. Let me reach out to these, you know, these individuals. And, you know, to my surprise, they they reached back. And just being able to search, finding out what you need, but then be able to search for it in this very socially connected world um, really panned out well for me. And they weren't, and I'll say they weren't the ones with the six-pack abs. They weren't posting thirst traps. They weren't coaches. And I love coaches, but they weren't, they, that wasn't what they were doing. They were actually therapists. Yep. And I felt this instant connection to a few of them. And actually one of them that helped me way back then, I'm actually working for now. Love it. And is a mentor and is my supervisor. So it's, it's been an incredible journey, but just by, you know, reaching out to them, no expectation back when they contacted me back, it was, uh, this belonging that you're talking about. It was this, I feel seen, um, no matter how short the dialogue was, but I held on to their words like it was a treasure. 
because it spoke directly to where I was in that moment. And that's when I knew there might be something to this. This feels a little hopeful. It's a little bit of light um, on that very narrow path. And quit the job and then had to come out to the West Coast where these people who I was reaching out to actually lived, um, came out to help some family and was able to meet them in person while I was out there helping family. And that's when doors began to open. The path started getting a little bit wider and I was just amazed. I was dumbfounded. Actually, I didn't put it in the article, but I actually took um, a week and a half road trip solo up through the California wilderness to really sit in this, to sit in. I didn't have a job. Yep. You know, I was, I had a little bit of money in the bank from some art, some paintings I had sold. That's all I had. But I disappeared into the, uh, into Yosemite, Sequoia, and went up into the Redwood Forest to really sit in this, to feel my feelings that I had probably suppressed for 10 years. You gave yourself, and it was, you gave yourself time. It, it was life changing. Yeah. Completely life changing. Alone. I went alone. And it was very scary. Actually, yeah. there were some really scary things that happened along the road that someday I would love to, to write about. Um, that, that was really good for me. I had to dig deep. Yep. I fought for it. I fought for that alone time. I fought for that time to actually feel all those uncomfortable things. Let's not let this moment go past without saying how awesomely courageous that is. Because to the casual listener, the, you know, the, the, the idea of going on a road trip or any kind of trip to find yourself has a certain romance around it. Mm. But realizing that getting life lessons, realizing that the tools that you need to be you are within you. And they might be sort of might be ill-formed. They might need some help to, to, you know, be to form up into something that's, you know, that, that is easily used and readily used. But, you know, what you need to be you is within you. And sometimes we don't know them until mm-hmm. we have to use, have to find them really quickly. To find them, you have to make space for it. You have to make time in order to even find them. Yeah. And then once they're there, once they're there, it's beautiful and uncomfortable as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Another, I, I said, are there because there's more content uh, on my spreadsheet um, of, of future content around time and busyness and connection. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just going to, Bookmark that for for for, for future <laughs> content. You said in both you know here Justin and uh, in the blog post about the universe working then in your favor. You know doors opening up for you, people coming back to you, you holding on to their words like a treasure, which I love because words are treasures, and they're priceless treasures. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then, you know, you, you come out to, uh, to the West Coast uh, and, you know, moved to California and were, you know, house-sitting, as we would call it in, in Australia. Um, I think you said, mm. said the word sublet. Um, and, and then, you know, found yourself living in your car. Mm-hmm. And so what, what occurred to me in, in this part of the story is that you had one, la- not one, but, you know, not one, you know, dark night of the soul and then changed everything. Like, you know, episode one of the long night of the soul was over on the East Coast that then had you moving across the country, saying goodbye to your fiancé, saying goodbye to your dog, saying goodbye to your house, the job, all that kind of stuff for something different something new, mm-hmm. something more aligned that was calling you uh, over in California. Yeah. And then when you were in California, it wasn't like, like you know, what, what all of us imagine, <clears throat> you know, the, you know, your Malibu lifestyle to be, oh. you know, in, in you know, a, a multi-bajillion dollar mansion overlooking, overlooking the beach. <laughs> you had a different Malibu experience. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, came to another long night, long dark night of the soul. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of things in there that I really want to like underline, bold, italicize, you know, highlight, uh, etc. Is that dark nights of the soul, loneliness associated with change is not... Do it once, done forever. Going to keep on coming back to it as life keeps mm-hmm. on giving us lessons to learn. But yeah, you were, you yeah. were, you were given, like, well, I was about to say quite the rear ending, but that that's that's that yeah. sounds wrong. <laughs> happened later too. <laughs> yeah, but but as as a result, like you know, you're you're you know, living living in alignment still had you um, being uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. There is so much here I could talk about, but yes, it's um, during the course of my grad school experience and so many really horrific things happened during that time. There was this steady force within myself of you're, you're doing the right thing. You're supposed to be here remember that and it's kind of that's that little quiet voice i remember hearing back when i was in the other life and it was telling me you may not be making the best decisions right now so it's still that little small voice and it really hit me hard when i was in malibu um and i was only in malibu because there were some places where you could kind of park and stay overnight in your car without getting arrested <laughs> and the coastline of course is cooler so it's just more comfortable there but i i remember one morning waking up and driving to this area that had a public restroom and I had to get to school and I go in there to just kind of clean up to go to my grad classes and um, probably smelled horrible, but just using the sink just to kind of wash up, brush my teeth and someone 
or quite a few people had maybe come in there homeless i'm guessing had shot up so there was needles all over the floor there was blood that had been spurred on the walls mm. and it smelled horrible in there and i'm looking in the mirror brushing my teeth and i have kind of like a dress shirt on and trying to wash my face too and it just was a moment of like where what the fuck <laughs> what is what is going on and i'm just like i guess i need to experience like this is this is a very low point i have no home i'm in a meth lab getting ready <laughs> and for school like you can't make this shit up and um but i knew that there was something to this there really was something to this that i needed to get through i needed to feel i needed to feel alone i needed to feel like i lived off the streets which kind of was what i was doing um for a purpose and even now in my private practice work um and when i worked for the community clinic and that you know working with people in immense crisis I, it was a completely different experience for me. I knew exactly what they were feeling. I knew the low. I knew the situation. I knew what it was like to not have a roof over your head. Um, it created this deep empathy for this line of work, which um, was tough at the time, grueling, but um, was necessary and is very, very powerful. Mm. How did you deal with in that moment where you're cleaning yourself up in <laughs> public toilets and essentially, you know, there, there's so many sort of metaphors here, but, you know, you're cleaning yourself up to go to school, to be seen by others. And, you know, your lived experience was these you said the awesome word that I really love in your blog post, you know, the paradoxes. Mm-hmm. You know, sleeping in your car, transitioning spaces in your day through a public toilet meth lab. Not, not meth lab, but, you know, meth den. Right. And, you know, making yourself presentable for others. The, word, the, the, the thing that comes to me right now is how, do you, how did you deal with the shoulds in that moment? You know, because how old were you at that point? I was probably halfway through my first year of grad school because that's, that's kind of the interesting thing like i'm going to school to learn how to help people yeah yeah well uh, and, it's like it's and so you, and ironically you did that academically and personally yeah right so yeah, yeah like you don't get to choose your education uh you you got a great mm-hmm. education um yeah uh while getting a good education um mm-hmm. you know uh, but so, yeah, first year, grad school, you're in your 20s, 30s? Yeah, 30s. Okay. All right. 30, 34, 35 at the time, yeah. Okay. So, like, peak 
peak being a grown-up, peak adulting. Yes. Right. Had a house, owned a house. Yeah. How did you get through the shoulds? I'm 35 years old. I, Mm -hmm. you know, here's my lived reality, but here's how I should be. How did you how did you get past the shoulds to accept what was? I think what helped was understanding more of my queer identity because that didn't match up to anything from where I grew up or within my family system. So the work through my 20s of trying to come out and explain that and experience the rejection from friends, the, the experience of rejections from an entire community, I think actually laid the groundwork for that. Like, fuck the shoulds. You know, I I know this to be true. I'm, I'm now 34 or 35. I know the truth is I'm supposed to be here. The doors were wide open and so clear but everything around me is kind of falling apart and it's gross and literal blood is under my feet, but I know I'm supposed to be here and I'm going to have to throw the shoulds out the window. And at that time, you know, I had some role models. I had a mentor that didn't really kind of similar situation to me. Didn't really find his vocation until around the same time as me. And, and I think you have to get through your teens You have to get through your 20s and into your 30s to really throw the shoulds out. You Mm. have to experience life that way. And um, I think it's really important. And, you know, Jungian psychology, and I kind of alluded to some of it in 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 my article of kind of the second half of life or second phase of life where all the things that got you to a certain point aren't really serving you anymore. Yes. My God, yeah, the twenties are kind of, I think they call like the good soldier years. And particularly for me, Mm -hmm. I was a good soldier for the Lord during that time. So, (laughs) so you do, you kind of, you kind of boast up the, 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 the self and you can push through and you're amazing. You're incredible. And you have talents. But then when you get to a certain point Mm -hmm. and for gay, gay men, especially looks start fading, things start changing. Um, There's, a midlife crisis is another term for it too. So there's so many things that happen to a certain point that you have to change. Yeah. And it's a necessary change and it's an okay change. It shouldn't be something you should fear, but we do. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't be here unless I went through my midlife crisis. Mm. I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't be doing this. And, I accept the midlife crisis is a dark night of the soul. There is loneliness with that because we are being yeah. called to change. Mm-hmm. And it is so lonely. because yeah. And you can't stop that change. You can't stop it. My God, you try. <laughs> like King Canute trying to hold back the tide. <laughs> right and you know you summon all your awesomeness and and you double down double down on the work double down on the sex double down on the drinking double down on the partying double down on the doubling down 
And then, you know, you the tide overwhelms you anyway. Yeah. So you got to learn to swim because you never really had control over the tide anyway. Yeah. And I mean, even especially for the LGBTQ no. plus community. I mean, there's not a guidebook for this. No. You know, and so many people struggle. They don't know what to do next. They don't know what they're supposed to. They don't even know what their relationship should look like. Yeah. And that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother thing because there's not a whole lot of role, role models out there you know, showing us. So we're having to kind of figure it out on our own. And culture, society, you know, has pushed us out so much, disowned us. You know, re- you know, they, there's so many weapons against us. Religious being a big one, mm. um, policies, government policies. So it's, it is hard. It is hard work, yeah. and it's no wonder so many people in the queer community are so lonely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But we we do so much. The power of the shoulds means that we deny what is. And I say this a lot, but loneliness is a gift. Mm. And we need to stop, slow down, feel it, learn from what it's telling mm-hmm. us. But easy to say, very easy to say, extremely hard to do. But we don't do it alone. So our loneliness is our loneliness to learn from because it's our loneliness is trying to tell us something about ourselves and the type of connection that we need and connection to self, connection to those most important to us and connection to our communities. Yes, listen to it. Don't drown it. Yeah. Listen to it. Yeah. And it's a and you know as I said in in previous content and in a conversation with uh, with my friend Steve Seidel. Uh, before Christmas, loneliness is you know there's a reason that we can you know feel lonely around 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 Christmas, is because we we we're drowning in the shoulds. We should be you know partying. We should be surrounded by people wearing you know ugly jumpers and have you know a a very full social calendar. We need to have presents under a tree like they're as high as the tree kind of thing. And you know sometimes mm. you know right at the back of the tree year after year is a gift of shit wrapped in in Christmas paper, which is loneliness. And we ignore it every single year. We ignore it, we ignore it, we ignore it, but it's not going away. It's just waiting for you to put your hand under there and learn from it. And so by accepting it, we kind of plunge into a long night of the soul, long dark night of the soul. And fuck me, it's horrible. It really is horrible horrible but as i said to to andrew um in you know the the when are we episode 31 so episode 29 uh on um the loneliness of being gay in a straight marriage and i got Mm. this sense from him Mm -hmm. it's like it's the opening of pandora's box Mm. and you'd have to deal with Unfortunately, and there's no lovely sugar-coated way of doing this, but, you know, when you open Pandora's box, shit flies out. Stuff that you've been packing away for such a long time, for life. Yeah. But the thing that we forget in being fearful of opening it, the thing that we forget during our long, dark nights of the soul, is that at the bottom of Pandora's box is hope. 
hope that the path before us opens up. Mm-hmm. The people who we need to have in our lives come into our lives. Yeah. What, what we need in that moment is provided to us. And because it was there all along, we just weren't noticing it. Mm. And almost the path through loneliness is discarding the shoulds and accepting what is and going from there. Mm -hmm. So while we don't go through, while we do go through our loneliness alone because it's ours and ours alone to work through, we don't do it alone. We don't do, and the connection that we need happens when we accept our loneliness. And so, you know, we get to have really good people, people who have earned the right, people who will respond with empathy, who have earned the right to hear our story and treat it as the precious gift that it is. Yeah. And they know how to talk to you because you know how to talk to yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Justin, I can see that you do that. I know that you do that. You know, I like it is a an, like a life's joy to do that for me. It is my calling. And so there's, you know, a, a group of people like a community that that I'm building here that allows people individuals perfectly imperfect people to be who they are and learn from their loneliness together mm-hmm. and that's the point it's not easy <laughs> it, but but that's the point mm-hmm. two more things justin i want yeah. to ex- i want to explore i want to explore this line that you said the depths of the of despair became the great the heights of great love what was that what was that about mm. well i could gosh that's a whole nother podcast too first love um we need more love in this world I'll just say that yep. <laughs> you see a lot, you see, especially in American culture, there's not a lot of it. Yeah. Um, but during a lot of some of the darkest times, um, I've came across individuals and actually my current partner. Now I met him right before that horrible car accident. And um, I'll never forget. It's so funny. I was, I, I was able to walk out okay from the car accident, but I had some bruises and I was rattled a bit. He came up, he lived, he lived in a different location at the time. He came up and um, picked me up where I was living and took me to this place hidden in the hills uh, the, over in Malibu, actually. And we had a dinner together and we were sitting out by this fire. They even had this beautiful fire that was lit. And, uh, we were sitting there just talking about life, 
and we were talking about um, our signs. Like I'm a Sagittarius, and he's also a Sagittarius, and we we're both kind of saying we don't really believe that shit. That's so <laughs> weird. And he's like, I wonder what our, um, I wonder what it says about Sagittarius is for this day. Like our horoscope. Let's look at it. And so he googled something while we're sitting there, and it said something along the lines of. Um, you'll really connect and find love in front of a fire. <laughs> and they put the phone down and we both were like, looked behind us at the fire. And it was just a moment where I was like, wow, this is what a lovely and loving moment. This yeah. is experience. And I didn't know what he would become <clears throat> or how powerful our relationship would be in the future. But just in that moment, <clears throat> battled and, and bruised and hurting and lost. Oh, I was lost. Um, those little moments came through and it just, gosh, it just warmed me. And that kind of cool evening by that fire, it just really warmed me like that fire. And that's when I was like, this is, this is love. Yep. You could not have staged that better. It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes me, <laughs> that gives me all the feels. That's awesome. Cause so little, little mm. moments like that would happen along the way. And it just, wow. It's, it transcended. It transcended the, the hurts, the being lost. It really got me through it. Mm. Love can do that. It can be from a partner, it can be from an animal, it can be from a family member. It can really transcend that darkness and give you a reprieve. I'll add, it could also be from yourself. Because mm -hmm. I say this all the time, like I'm feeling lonely. You know, I need to meet someone who will solve my loneliness. And, you know, if anyone's also a member of some kind of, you know, um, uh, um, you know, LGBTIQ plus space on Facebook or anything, it, it's a pretty common thing, you know, picture like a thirst trap picture and, you know, waiting to meet Mr. Right to save me from this or whatever. It's like, actually, like the self is true because the person in the selfie is the person who will help you save you from your loneliness. And, you know, you know, there are three powerful, you know, pillars of connection. And I say this all the time, and I've said this a couple of times in this chat, is that the three pillars of connection are equal and they, and the, and the connection house can't stand unless the three pillars are strong. The logo for the loneliness guy is three pillars cradling an individual and it's connection to self mm -hmm. connection to those most important to us and connection to community. Mm -hmm. So by all means, like letting people love you, you loving people, beautiful, beautiful feeling part of your community, identifying community, defining community, how it works for you, be that online, be that in real life, be that, you know, a religious community, a, 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 a mm -hmm. community community, whatever it is, however that, however that works for you. 
But sometimes, particularly, particularly for LGBTIQ plus individuals, learning to love ourselves when we've mm-hmm. been told that we're not worthy is so incredibly powerful and I will keep on raising that at each and every opportunity mm-hmm. that you can't solve it by yourself. Like loving yourself is not the answer to, to connection. It's a third of the way there. Yeah. And I'll even, I'll add on that too, is a lot of people don't know how to love themselves because they were never loved. Yeah. So I have to, I have to be cautious with people when I'm like, that's not the answer to love yourself. You don't even know how to love. Yep. So you learn that from connection to other people. Now, America, I don't know about Australia. America is a very individualistic yep. um, society. So they want, there. I mean, there's so many self-help books around codependency. Yeah. And um, that's a problem because it causes people to isolate. Codependency was just created. And there, that's a whole other podcast. But, <laughs> you know, it's... It isolates people. When people isolate, their health deteriorates, their mental health and even their physical health. So people don't know how to even love themselves or what that looks like. So you learn by relationships. You learn by opening up. You learn by being vulnerable with people. And when you you get that corrective experience, especially LGBTQIA people, because a lot of their parents weren't around or didn't show it. They have to relearn it by dating, by friendships, by chosen family. And once they can have a solid group of people that know how to love them, the love for self increases because they actually know how to now. I think you've just answered my question. The last question that I was going to ask is, you know, what's the advice for those experiencing their dark night of the soul? Mm, Yeah. I think you've just answered that. Reach out. I mean, that's what I had to do. I had to reach out. I didn't go, you know, crawl in a hole and, and you know, hold, you know, hang up posters of self-love. Yep. <laughs> that would have gotten me nowhere whatsoever. I had to reach out. I had to find people yeah. to reflect back, to mirror back to me my worthiness, to mirror back to me my struggle, to mirror back to me my, my loneliness. And then once I had that, I could go isolate in the woods and let some shit out. Yeah. Because I knew when I was done, I had somewhere to go. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All this. <laughs> I need a, need a, need a, a drink and a, and a lie down. All this orgasm. <laughs> I tell you. Wow. And I would cont- like I contend you actually did crawl into a hole. It was two year. Oh, yep. Gosh, Bill, it was rough. Yeah. It was rough. Yep. Yep. You crawled into a hole, you cocooned. But this is a good moment between you and I where we're connecting, we're talking about something, we're mirroring back to each other our experiences. Yeah. This is what it's about. And, you know, for all those who are coaching or therapists or in mental health or something, they need to know this. You know, codependency, that rhetoric hurts people. Mm. What they need is to connect with people and to reach out and ask for help. And by those relationships, 
they can really learn to love themselves more and to treat themselves more. And I can tell that with clients, you know, who they date, who their friends are, tells me a lot about their self-worth. So we got to keep that stuff in check. Yeah. 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 Especially within certain communities, you know, ghosting is big here too. Mm. People just cutting off. So I can tell about their relational and attachment style by who they date or who they're in a relationship with and who their close friends are. And they're, they're coming to me for advice because it's not working. Yeah. So let's, let's examine this. And, and it is, it is profound once through my relationship with clients, because this is with, with any kind of client, I, I care about them. It is a relationship. And for a lot of people, it's almost reparenting. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of adults, I'm almost kind of having to train people how to be an adult and how to communicate because we live in a text text only world. Oh, and that is a buffer. Yes. Call people up, FaceTime them, eye contact, <laughs> intimacy. Yes. Intimacy. Don't get these third parties involved. Go directly to that person. They didn't call you back after a date. Reach out to them. Yep. Talk to them. So anyways, going on a little tangent there, but it's so important to to really encourage relationships. I think you do. And that's how we learn. Yeah. I think you just book yourself another ourselves. another place, you know, another another article and another podcast chat. Because <laughs> you're right. You're right. Uh, and and oh my god, like this is why I love what I do. Mm. This is what I love what I do. And I want to just say this to the listener. I want to say this to the viewer. If you've made it this far in. But this is what it's all about. This came through because, like, this this level of, of connection. Sorry, the dog. Ah, no, that's all right. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, so 2021, uh, you know, uh, if it's not a dog, it's a child or, you know, whatever. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a um, having, like, great things come when we show up who we as we are in that moment great things can come when we make that decision and yeah i just really hope that this chat that justin's blog uh justin's words in his blog in in the blog have actually supported you and if you're you're experiencing continued dark night of the soul and you're revisiting the you're 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 thinking the same thoughts you're feeling the same feelings even if those feelings are very you know um uh amorphous you can't really pinpoint what it is but you know an emptiness a void you know, the feeling, like the feeling of lack. Yeah, numbness. Yeah, my God, yes. Because the the opposite of numbness is what? Feeling. Yeah, yeah. And that if you are experiencing that, that you feel inspired by our stories, by this conversation to take a step. Take a step. And you're allowed to be brave and you're allowed to be terrified all at once. 
you're allowed. And you might actually feel those acutely and <laughs> can put, put the language to, to feeling courageous, feeling inspired and feeling terrified. Yeah. That's, that's how I know that I'm alive. Yes. It's how I'm working, walking my path. When I go off, you know, onto a, a fire trail after driving on a freeway for a little while. Justin, thank you. Thank you so much for spending some of your day here with me, here with us. Thank you for being you into the world. I just love you. I think that what you are doing and how you are in the process of doing is truly beautiful. And I can't wait to see how you are next. After seeing you in this moment, can't wait to see how you are next and what you do next. Thank you, Phil. Beautiful time to connect. So thank you. Oh, I do need to have a good lie down. Thank you so much, listener, <laughs> viewer, for joining. Aftercare. Aftercare. It's important. Do it on that aftercare um listener viewer thank you so much for spending some time with us today um please leave a like comment sharing is caring um and uh nothing nothing works better than um uh, than word of mouth and indeed i forgot to say this at the beginning uh i'm i'm trialing a study uh collecting evidence base that people who share uh, loneliness related uh, loneliness related content and 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 um, de that destigmatizes loneliness and promotes authentic connection for gay men globally those who share content about that are better lovers so uh, and make better lovers so let me help me develop that evidence base by giving it a go and reporting back how you uh, how you fared so thank you so much and until next time stay safe stay well and please be you all sounds that you heard in this episode were recorded at Prefab Eatery on Jesse Street, Wellington. All views expressed in this episode are my own and are intended to support, challenge and inspire gay men to consider the issue of loneliness and increase awareness of the need for authentic connection with themselves, with others and their communities as an antidote to loneliness. They are not intended to, nor should they, replace the advice of a licensed helping professional. Please consult the resources page on my website, thelonelinessguide.com, if you feel that you need the services of a licensed helping professional. Thanks for listening.